everybody. Welcome to the Just Joe podcast. This is episode 10. We've made it to double digits. I thank you so much for tuning in every week, listening to these, or if you're just discovering them and going back and listening to all of them that we have up to this point. This week might be one of my favorites as I sit down with one of my best friends in the whole world, Rayan Belcher. Rayan and I met many, many moons ago when he was the bass player for Wednesday 13. We reconnected a bunch of years later. Basically, Rayan is the Just Joe of the Charlotte, North Carolina area. Him and I lived lived very similar lives. Uh, Former football players, former college football players, uh, solo artists, played in metal bands, toured around the world, come back, plays solo artists. Um, We both play 300 plus gigs a year. We talk about all those things. We talk about a lot of things in this business. And this won't be the last time that Rayan will be on my podcast. So let's just get into it. We hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, Rayan Belcher. This podcast is brought to you by Tismart Cigar Shop and Lounge. Guys, you like smoking cigars? Ladies, you like smoking cigars? You can go there. You can buy some of the finest cigars in the area. You can also sit in the lounge and relax and enjoy them in a nice, nice environment. Check out Tismart Cigar Shop and Lounge located in Burton in the 5501 Bartell Road. Tismart Cigar Shop and Lounge. What's up? Welcome to the Just Show podcast. My good friend, my best friend, my brother from another mother, Ran Belcher. That's how you say the last name, right? I don't know if I've ever said your last name. Belcher? It's Belcher. Belcher. Yeah, like Like Bell, like the singer. Belcher. Yeah. Belcher. A little different. Everybody messes it up. I'm sure everyone messes my last name up too, but oh man, I, I, I knew that you were going to end up being on my podcast at some point. And it was just a matter of like, what the hell, what the hell are we going to talk about? Because you and I talk about so much shit, like on a daily basis about so many things. Like, dude, we could sit here and rattle for like hours and some people might get it. And some people are like, what the hell are they fucking talking about? Yeah. When, when you live parallel lives, like we do, it's, it's, you get your own language and your own, you know, yeah. conversations going. And even when we're hanging out and other people around, I can tell that they're lost and clueless. Right. No, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, well, I mean, this a little background. uh, I mean, you've played in a million, a million bands over the years. Every time I talked to you, even when I came down and visited you uh, a few weeks ago, because I went down to your wedding and and it was like I was seeing stuff on the walls in your house. I'm like, holy shit. You you had other bands I didn't even know about. You had all these bands, but like most famously, probably the one band that everyone would if anyone's going to have a connection to what you did, you were the bass player in Wednesday 13 for a number of years. And and you and I are pretty much, when I try to describe you to my friends, like, oh, I'm going down to see my buddy Rayan, I go, Rayan's basically the Just Joe of Charlotte and vice versa. And I'm the Rayan of like Syracuse. You know, we're just working ass musicians. We grew up playing football and loving music. We played college football. We we played as solo artists and we became like uh, heavy metal. We were in heavy metal bands, but yet we're still coming home and like playing solo shows. And, and we just work, you know. I play 300 gigs a year. You probably play that. And you actually... You hold the unofficial world record for most gigs in a year, correct? 
<clears throat> yeah, a handful of years ago, I was playing every night, twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday, and uh, somebody made a joke about how many gigs in a year, and I can't remember who had it, but whoever had it, it was an hour and a half shows, and it was like 200 and something. That's and I it? Done, I, I had done close to 400 three-hour shows. Fuck. So I was like, okay, this is legit. So I contacted the guy at Guinness, <clears throat> and I sent him the whole calendar, and because none of the shows were ticketed, and like venue, uh, they didn't count. But but I still have the email where he goes, between you and I, if you did 400 three-hour shows, you won't do it. Yeah. So, but guys like you do it too, so. Yeah, know. I mean, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, we're, we're not the only two dudes out there crushing it like that. But I mean, if the world record is only like 200, like one and a half hour shows, he's like, pussy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. I, <clears throat> even when we were out grinding in the van, I feel like that we probably did. 
And I'm like, I don't want to do that. And then I just figured, and I would come home and take the rock star hat off and go play, yeah, exactly, Elton John songs and wherever someone could pay me 100, 150 bucks, make enough money to pay whatever bills that I couldn't pay when I was on the road and then go back out on the road and do it all over again. But what happens is that guys like us start to get used to sleeping in our own bed, yeah. making, up, making decent money and going, man, this rock star stuff's pretty cool, but... Man, it's pretty cool to sleep in my own bed and have money too. Yeah, well, that, that's that got the thing near the end when, like, when the, the tension of Brand New Sin when we I, when I left the band, it was like there was a few times I took some gigs and then they were accusing me of taking gigs to make money instead of like putting you know the effort towards getting a Brand New Sin gig or if there was a Brand New Sin gig offer, I'm like, dude, we're gonna go play for a hundred bucks or I'm gonna. You know, and it's going to cost us $100 or $150 to go do the gig. We're going to lose 50 bucks, or I can go make 300 bucks. I'm like, I don't know about you, but I got to go make me real money, you know? So that was a thing near the end of it. And that's what really got me thinking when I left Brand New Sin. I'm like, all right, I can, I can do this. I'm watching other cats in town do the same thing. And I'm like, you know, no offense to them. Like, I'm just as good as them, or if I'm not better, and they're playing five, six nights a week, I'm like, I can do this, you know? hundred percent. It's all about knowing the right songs to play and not being too cool to play requests. That's a big secret of being a working musician. I tell people all the time, like, don't be too cool to play something, play requests. You'll get gigs. And I learned a few hundred songs and next thing I know, I was working five nights a week. And the um, same thing, it just got to the point where I was like, I should get on this tour bus and go tour and be a rock star and out and come home with no money. And who, who knows what else right. uh, that the doctor has to get rid of, <laughs> you, <laughs> right. know, you know, but come home with no money and, you know, who knows what else versus paying your bills, playing music and sleeping in your own bed. Yeah. After a while, after a while, the choice kind of made itself for me. Yeah, And, it, it, and it, it, I, I still enjoy rocking out and playing and stuff like that, but full time, yeah. that's for the kids. But, but as, as we say, and I've had a few guys on the, this podcast, like, you can only do that for so long. And I mean, it's one thing if you're in a band that's really successful and you're actually making a, a good living doing it, you know, like say like a band like clutch, let's, let's, let's pick a, just let's pick a working man's band, not like a band that sold millions of records, but like a working man's band, like clutch or, uh, you know, you know, a band in that vein that like, they just go out and work. They go out and play, you know, 150 shows a year. They put out a record every year. They just go out and they, they got a loyal fan base. Like if you're not doing that, and you're still trying to chase that rock star dream when you're getting to be our age and, you know, 40s and, and stuff like that and still coming home and not being able to pay the bills and you just want to be the rock star. That's one thing. But, like, man, it's like we see the casualties, man. Oh, yeah. We we see them. Well, that, that's part of it, too, is like, like I said, I mean, I joke, but there was a time, and this is a funny story, but it's a true story. I was so much of a vagrant that I got, like, anxiety over I had uh, hypochondria, I guess. I went to the doctor and she was like, what do you want me to check you for? I'm like, everything. <laughs> and I, she goes, what do you mean? I said, I think I have everything known to man. There's no way I don't. And luck, luckily, I didn't have anything. It was all in my head. But you, you drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Being, out on the, being out on the road, it's not at some point, and like you said, unless you're a big band and you have handlers and you have your own tour bus, you have your own cook, at some point... It becomes unhealthy. I mean, dude, even the most successful, I mean, let's, let's take example. These are two examples that come to mind right away as you're talking about that. Like, let's talk about Chris Cornell being like um, unbelievably wealthy, unbelievably loved, 
But he was on the road, and he just that was not where he needed to be. He was in an unhealthy headspace. Exactly. I mean, people all the time will point to those guys, and I'm like, you should have saw the level they were on when they were touring compared to 99% of the rest of them. Right. You know, if those guys could go down, you know, with depression yeah. and have problems, God knows how many of right. you know us mid-level band guys have had to deal with it. Right, and and the and the, and the depression is so bad at that level, and the stress is so bad because it's one thing. Yeah, you got everybody. Like, if you want somebody to like drive you around in a certain kind of car, they're going to be able to. You can get anything you want, but here's the thing. At some point, and I, 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 this is my biggest guess is that, you know, obviously Chris dealt with depression for many, many years, had, you know, bouts with drugs and all that other stuff. But I really think it comes down to like, he had a, um, could you imagine being responsible? You're the reason that you got to get up on stage and you're responsible for not only your band eating and paying their bills, your crew eating and paying their bills, booking agent, venue, security, um, management company like you're talking hundreds of people underneath chris cornell oh yeah eating making their daily nut because chris cornell gets up on stage and if he's not in a good headspace like imagine the mention i can't imagine the pressure that must be like and the thing is is when they book you on those tours they won't let you out of them either no and i have no doubt that people like chris and um some of the other guys reached out for help or may have told people and and you know how it is in the business they're like, oh, just two more weeks. Come on, just stick it out two more weeks. You know, and it's like, you know, I'm convinced that's what happened to Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. Uh, some, uh, you know, he, they knew he wasn't going to be healthy, but they just kept pushing him and pushing and pushing him. And at some point, his body gave in to sleep meds. Just, just like Pink Floyd says, uh, okay, just a little pinprick. There'll be no more. Ah, you may feel a little <laughs> sick. Like that whole story. I mean, the wall is about a musician that just lost his shit, but they're like trying to find a way to like, they're going to keep putting drugs in them. You know, like Elvis, that was the same way. They would, you know, they give him drugs. To, he'd take drugs to wake up in the morning and, and then they'd have him going all day and then he'd have to take drugs to go to sleep at night. You know, it's like he's, he, he becomes a commodity and everything like that. You know, so, I mean, I can't imagine that pressure. I mean, it's like, okay, you want to be a successful rock star? Now you have everything, but now here's a whole other fucking amount of stress that's on another level that you couldn't even imagine. Yeah, and even on the local level, like what we're doing, it, like I said, we get to have a routine and a semblance of normalcy, even though, you know, we never have the same gig twice. It's nothing like that. Right. Because those guys, I've heard stories of tour managers who had a hungover lead singer, they spike their drink with speed or something, you know, um, just to get them going. And, um, you know, tour managers and all the enablers, you know, and that's, that's what causes all the tragedy is nobody's there to hold these people accountable. Right. And, you know, when, when a guy like Chris Cornell goes, hey, I need to come off the road, they should pull the plug that second. Yeah. It, should, it shouldn't be... Let us stay out another two weeks. We got you. We'll do this. We'll don't convince the guy. If the guy's, you know, Chris Cornell, arguably, I say number two, but I wouldn't argue number one best singer of all time in oh, rock yeah. and roll. Absolutely. Besides Freddie Mercury, he's my favorite. Yeah. Even a guy like that with a master instrument, you know, fell to the pressure and depression yeah. and, and the drugs. And it's just crazy. And then the other person I thought of. It's like it just came out about a month ago and that Zach Brown and his wife split, you know, and this, this is a guy who like, 
had a very big family life. Who's probably one of the probably the biggest country artist, not even a country artist anymore. I mean, he's just a, one of the biggest artists in the country, in the world. And he does not, you know, here's another guy that like, because he works so hard, he's, you know, now he jeopardized the marriage that he had. I mean, he sang songs and was proud that, yeah, every other tour, my family comes out and we do the whole family thing. And that didn't even fucking work. He fell to the waysides of it. And he had a very good interview. I think it was on like 60 Minutes where he like opened up. Said, yeah, man. He goes, I fucked up and this happened and this happened and I'm not married anymore. You know? Yeah, if it could happen to that guy, it could happen to any of us. Yes. Because that, cause that, I knew Zach before he was uh, pretty big. He used to play the rock boat as a side stage artist. And I'd see him in the cafeteria. And every year he had his wife, he had his kids. He was a big family guy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man, this, this lifestyle, it's like the... Um, the song Marilyn Manson just covered by Johnny Cash. You can run on for a long time, but sooner or later, God will cut you down. Yeah. You know, this lifestyle is meant for the youth and the kids and, and all these fans that are retiring. They're not fucking retiring. They're just going to do residencies. They're yeah. not going to stay on tour. They're just going to go plop up in Las Vegas or right. LA or New York and do five shows in a, in a, in a week. Yeah, but, but but try to find one of those big ass musicians that have been like, yeah, he's married his wife for thirty five years, you know. Blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, no, they've had six, seven wives, you know, or the ones that had a long marriage, and all of a sudden something blows up, man. It's you know, you and I have both been through a million. I've been married twice. You just got married, but before you got married, like I mean, think of everything that you went through up to that oh, point. Yeah, had a crazy, crazy ex, and it's, the music life is not conducive for for no. <laughs> trying to live a normal life. People try to live a nine to five life, family life. That's why when you finally find that woman, like you just did, you're like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go for it because there ain't nobody up to this point have been able to deal with And I say that sometimes to like women I've dated, I'm like, I'm sorry that you have to deal with my shit. And they're like, oh no, no, it's just who you are, blah, blah, blah. And then they have to, then they get into it and they realize what it's about and everything that comes along with it. And I don't, th I don't think anybody, unless they're a musician themselves or an artist on some level, they don't, they, they don't get it, man. You can't explain it to them, you know? You hope you hope that you hope that they can do that, you know, and and that's the biggest thing. And I'm sure you have. I mean, how many conversations you've had with a younger musician? Be like, man, I want to do, I want to do what you do. I want to. Uh, how do I do that? And I don't even talk about like the music or what it takes to get there. I talk about all this shit, and it's like, all right, all right. If you can willing to kind of deal with this, then okay, let's talk about the other side of things. Because I'm 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 not trying to scare you away from it. I'm just giving you the fucking what's probably going to end up happening to you. No, that's, that's just what I tell young kids too. I'm like, if you want this, it's not a normal life. Yeah. No, it's not a normal life at all. It's not, it's not an existence that you can carve a normal, you know, Mr. Rogers neighborhood family life around. You have to meet somebody who kind of gets you. Like my, uh, the girl I just married, she's a third shift girl. So she's up late, you know, she gets it. And, um, you know, she's cool. So, you know, it takes a long time to find somebody like that, whether you're a guy or a girl. Because I know guys who have dated girls in the business, and they have the same struggles that the girls do. 
They get yeah, I mean, at some point, I think I would love to have a woman on here, you know, and talk about that. And I think the, the one that I probably would end up having on here is uh, my friend Mercedes, who played he played um, drum in Kitties, you know? Yeah. You know, I'll probably hit her up because that's a really good thing because we sit here and talk about all the guys, but there are a bunch of women in this business, whether they're in bands or tour managers or any of that. And you, I, I wonder, I've never even thought about that. They have I'm, the same problems. I, I know a girl who's a pretty high-profile girl, and she has the same problems with her boyfriend, you know, not understanding things and being upset when her plane's late. And, you know, when she gets home late, it's always questions. And it, it's just hard for people not in the in the circle of, of working musicians, whether you're a big-time or, or just, you know, working bars. If you're not in it, it's just... It's, like you said, you can say you understand it, but until you actually go through it, you don't understand it. Yeah. It's 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 a fucked up. It's a fucked up. But you and I wouldn't trade trade this for anything. You know, not at all. That's no, who we are. No, I hate. To, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining. <laughs> because yeah, it does sound like we do that sometimes. But I'm like, listen, I love it, but I go, dude, there's you know, there's a bunch of bullshit that comes along with it. Yeah, it, it's a it's a job that every day is a new hustle. Like you you don't clock in every week to the same spot, to the same office, to the same company. Every night's a new place, a new job. Chances are, a new manager, you know, or a new bride. It 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 winds you up. So you know, occasionally guys like us need to get on the phone and and uh, gripe a little bit. But I'm grateful. At the end of the day. To be able to play music for a living is a is, is a good thing. Right. I mean, every week I'm around, even though like some weeks, man, I'm just like, oh, I'm grinding, I'm grinding. And then you end up having some kind of moment that happens either at a gig or after a song that you play or someone comes up to you. And then that happens. And then you're like, okay. And, and quickly the universe will quickly remind you. And two things that happened this week is I had, I went and played one of my famous lovegrams. And I had a guy who was just like, yeah, and could you come sing to my girl? And he uh, he goes, you know, we're kind of working our way back to being together again, but I really, you know, I need to kind of solidify this. So come to her house. I'm going to be there. And we picked the song we did. Uh, I ended up doing Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone by Cinderella. And, and I ended up showing up at the house, and I get super nervous when I got to go to somebody's it's so it's ner it's more nerve wracking to go to like someone's house that you've never been to. You don't know who these people are and walk into their living room, you know, and then start to play, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen. So I start playing the song. She starts crying her eyes out. And then he's like, goes over and consoles her, man. And they're just having this moment, a very intimate moment. And it's, this isn't at a gig. This is just me and them. <laughs> and it's like, it's awesome, but it was so fucking awkward at the same time. Like, <laughs> right. The power of music. But I'm like, man, what amazing thing that I can do this for these people. And she came over, she gives me a big hug. She's like, oh my God, that was awesome. And, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to let you guys do your thing. Whether then I'm going to go, go into fuck after that. I don't know what I'm going to do, you know? So we go. Have, have you had that happen? Because I have. Have you had 
the proposition of playing for a couple while they have sex. No. That's happened to me. Again, all right, tell the story. We'll get back to mine because this is way cooler than my story. No, this was years ago, probably 10 years ago, this couple, their favorite song was my song, and the guy asked me to come over and play it for them. And I thought it was going to be Lovegram style, but it quickly became obvious that um, he wanted me to play play for them and not mind me being in the room while they make love. <laughs> and he, he, he offered me 500 bucks. I'm not going to say I took the gig. Oh. <laughs> I'm just not going to say I took the gig. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just not saying it. <laughs> but, yeah, that it's happened one time. Oh, my yeah, God. The, the awkward gigs like that, man. The, the love, my favorite story, didn't you have a love agreement one time where the girl just was not into her ex and she just told you don't bother or something? Yeah, that, it actually happened a couple of weeks ago, but... That that happened. So yeah, I left. So I, let me, let me finish that story, and I'm going to tell you the story where the girl's like, "No fucking way." So I end up leaving. They have this moment. I'm barely down the street, man. I get a text from him, and he's like, "Dude, that was freaking amazing. She loved it. Thank you so much." It's like, and like I I made it, you know. And there's other times I kind of like helped people repair their marriages or their relationships and shit like that. And like, I'm like, okay, I'm this 30 minute drive out here to sing a song for three minutes, you know, and get paid for it was that, that's why I'm here. But, but yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, I had a guy, I won't see any names because obviously, you know, I don't know who's going to listen, but I went to his, I don't know if it's wife or his girlfriend's place of business. I walked in, I'm like, Hey, I'm so, I'm here to see her, you know, see so-and-so. And they're like, well, we think she's in a meeting right now. So they call up. She's like, she's in a meeting. How long do you want to wait for her? I'm like, well, I'm here. You know, it's just show. You know, I'm coming. I'm here to sing a song for her. She has a prize or whatever you want to tell her to come down here. And then like 10 minutes went past. And I'm like, her meeting's running long. I'm like, all right. So I call the guy. I'm like, I got to go back another day. I got to go do some stuff. So I thought it was weird. And then I find out some back stuff that they're on the outs. I'm like, oh, man. Like, I don't mind doing lovegrams, but like, it's awkward to be put in a position where I'm like literally like the last hope for somebody like that's awkward position for me to be in. So I go back, I go back uh, like three or four days later and I walk in and the receptionist, she's like, uh, I'm like, what? I'm like, it's not going to break my heart. She's like, yeah. She said, if you ever showed up, I'm like, no, thank you. But you know, you, you need to leave. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I left. I called the guy. I'm like, listen, man, it didn't work, but you know, no offense, you're not getting your money back either because I just spent, you know, this is twice I've gone here. You know, that's that's the money. He's like, oh, I get it, blah blah blah. But that was the only time I was a flat out like denied. You know. Well, in those circumstances, you're not getting paid to, to sing. You're getting paid to deal with the awkwardness. Yeah, and it's all. I mean, I get more nervous doing those than I do anything else, but. Getting back to what we were originally talking about, you know, being reminded by the universe, like what it's all about. Is I was playing a winery last night, and I think the median age, the average age of the, the crowd at this winery usually is anywhere between like 55 to early 60s. It's an older crowd, which is great because I don't mind playing that like uh, um, that crowd. They just, you know, it's, just play the oldies, play some classic rock, and they just want to sit around and drink some wine. And I had this couple come up to me, man, and this woman's just, I just got to hug you. She goes, we've had a really rough week because of this was going on in our family. And she goes, I don't really want to get into it, but like, this was perfect. This is exactly what we needed tonight. And we came here just thinking we we're going to have one drink and we stayed for all three hours. 
you know, it's and those, that's those the moments. Are moments that make it happen. Yeah, but they all the BS that we put up with. At the end of the day, we do <clears throat> impact people through music, and music brings people together. And you have those moments, and it makes all the crazy, you know, getting offered uh, to play gigs for people who don't want to hear them or. Or people who want to have sex while you play—it's <laughs> all that stuff. makes it makes it worth it when somebody tells you. You know what's hey, fucked up is connected because now that now that you said you've had that offered and I haven't, it's coming. Oh, it's, I, I have a feeling it's coming down the pipe. Like one of these days, like someone's gonna be like, "Hey, you come over, like play dinner at our house," and it's yeah. It's, if you're listening to this in Syracuse, just Joe is open for business. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he dude! You might, might not tell people he'll take the gig, but if it's a good enough gig, he'll. Yeah, take dude. It. If the money, dude, the money's right. Like somebody's like, well, how much would it take for you to play? You know, how far do you travel? That's I've had that question. Someone's like, well, you know, well, I, I'm not from here. How how far would you travel for a gig? I go, how much money you got? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not about how far I travel. It's how much money you're gonna pay me. I'm like, if you're gonna pay me enough money, I'll fly to Antarctica and play a fucking show. You know, hundred percent. I don't. I don't care. You know, hundred hundred percent. That's how we make our money. Is is you know those off gigs like that that pay more. Right. Like tomorrow, for example, I'm getting literally getting on a plane at ten o'clock tomorrow morning, landing in Philadelphia, getting picked up by a friend, driving to north of Baltimore to his house, playing his personal Christmas party. I went to high school with him. A bunch of other people I went to high school with lived down there and worked for him at his company. I'm playing his house. I'm back on a plane at 11 a.m. the next morning, back in Philadelphia, land here in Syracuse, get in my car, and drive to the casino here in Syracuse to play a freaking uh, Christmas party for a company. That's what we do. <laughs> to most people, that would just sound like an insane weekend. That's pretty average. Yeah. But <clears throat> that's what you got to do. What do you, what do you what do you think the most insane like give me like the most insane like two or three day stretch that you can think of off the top of your head? I'm sure there's a couple of them, but like what's the one that really comes to them? You got one that comes to mind it was like a two or three day stretch, like how the fuck did I do that? How did yeah. I pull it off? I played in Dallas, Texas, flew flew home to Charlotte, drove to Charleston, which is four hours away, played a chicken wing bar, drove back to Charlotte, which is for another four hours, got on a plane and flew to New York City, did a gig, flew back, and then drove another three and a half hours the next day and did a show in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> I slept about three hours and four days and I did four or five gigs. So that, that was the worst, though. That, that was craziest. Yeah, and you're, you're having to put a different hat on every time you did a gig. That isn't like, hey, I'm going to play a solo show, I'm playing a solo show, playing a solo show. Like, I'm playing a solo show, and then I got to put the makeup on and be in Wednesday 13 and rock out, and then I go go back to a chicken wing bar and then go put the makeup back on in another place. A hundred percent. Like, I'd have dreadlocks up in a beanie hat, wearing normal clothes with a makeup bag in my car, you know, just getting ready to go do the other work. Um, it, it, it's crazy, man. I mean, it's... it's uh, Who's saying it? The, the nightlife ain't no good life, but it's my life, Willie Nelson. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's perfect. Well, if, I've I've thought about it. There's been times like, hey, I play a luncheon, and then I went and played us like a song at a funeral, 
And then I went and played like, you know, a cocktail hour. Like there's been a couple times where I've done four gigs in a day. I mean, granted, they're very short gigs. And, but it was like, this is what, this is what happened. This is, a, this is happened in one day. I went and played the tailgate party for an SU football game. Okay. Now the start of this, there's two different things that happened during this, this 10 a.m. to, to 10 p.m. time frame. So it was 72 degrees, like on a, like November. It was super warm up here. So I'm playing a tailgate party outside. Play the tailgate party for an hour and a half before the SU and whoever they're playing for football. During that, the temperature literally dropped 30 degrees. It starts to rain as I'm packing up that gig. I go and play a gig at, I play a wedding ceremony down the street. I literally drive down the hill where SU's up on a hill, drive down the hill. I play uh, a wedding ceremony at the, the war memorial here in Syracuse. And while that's happening, now it's starting to snow. This is Syracuse happening. It's 72 degrees. Now it's snowing and raining. I play the wedding ceremony. I play three or four songs of the wedding ceremony. I pack everything up there. I get in my car. I drive right down the street, load my gear into the Hotel Syracuse to play in the grand ballroom, which is like the 10th floor. Get all my gear up there to play the first dance, just the first dance for this couple as a surprise. Right. Play the first dance for them. It's a big surprise. 300 people at the wedding. Get all my shit done. Have a drink with the bride and groom. Get my gear in the car. And then I go play a small little restaurant out in, you know, in, the, in the suburbs for three hours. From like 8 to 11 or 7 to 10. <clears throat> it sounds about right. Yeah. But I'm putting a different hat on it. And then while I'm putting the different hat on it every gig... It goes from 70 degrees to snowing. <laughs> so I got to travel and all this shit and make everything happen, you know? That, that, I don't understand how you deal with the snow up there <laughs> as much as you do. There's no way. I, for everybody listening, I live in Charlotte, yeah. Carolina, just south. And the amount of snow, when you send me pictures, I'm just like, holy hell, how are you seeing this? You know? But go back to your point. I got a funny story. Well, not a funny story, but it is, it, it's a funny story. They're not going to be listening. <laughs> but, <clears throat> so I got asked to play, uh, it was a remembrance ceremony, which I guess was an elaborate way of saying, they didn't have a funeral, but it was like a celebration of life. Yeah, yeah. And they called the agent that I worked with and asked for a guitar player. They just wanted somebody to play some nice, kind of chilled music in the background. <clears throat> so I get there, and they have all the pictures out. Everything's really pretty. Everything's really nice. And it's like 95 degrees in the middle of the <clears throat> And I'm barely hanging on. And, and these people are crying and going crazy. And in between all of it is my cue to play. And I'm just like, I'm just here making money. I'm doing my thing. This is... Super awkward, but here we are. And at the end of it, this guy came up to me and he goes, man, that was so beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. Would have loved it. Her favorite band was Creed. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, you were playing Arms Wide Open. I was like, what? I was was sitting there finger-picking Arms Wide Open at a funeral for two hours. 
Yeah. But at the end of the day, the gig paid, and, you know, they were happy and I was happy. But, you know, I just zoned out because I'm sitting there trying to – I'm struggling with the heat more than I'm struggling playing the music. So oh. I, quit, I forgot what I was playing, so I was just riffing this brief <laughs> four-chord drive back. Tonight. You weren't even playing Creed. <laughs> I was playing with arms wide open. I didn't even know it. I just – it was just like – you know, like uh, C, E, and A or something. Yeah. I was just like, I was just alternating. But I guess the way I was playing it, I was, when he said that, I was like, you're totally right. I have been fucking playing Creed for two hours. <laughs> 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 and apparently the person who passed away favorite band was Creed. Oh. And I didn't know it. So, but to your, to your point, all the gigs are not sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You Sometimes you gotta go do a funeral. Sometimes you gotta play it. Fucking snow. I get more heat gigs than our heat gigs are probably like your snow oh. gigs. It's just brutal. Yeah, like tonight's gig, I'm right next to a door, and the door is going to open like 35 times while I'm playing. I'm literally right next to the door. It's great for load in and load out, but that's where everyone comes in and out, and I'm just like, I'm going to be dealing with temperature change constantly tonight. Yeah, and for singers, a lot of people don't realize it's like <clears throat> our muscles, our vocal cords contract in cold weather, just like any other thing. And then, you know, you're trying to sing your ass off and your vocal cords are like <laughs> rubber bands. Right. You know, it's just like, it's, it's just a whole circus of stuff. But at the end of it, like you said, I wouldn't do anything. No. I love it. Now, I, I had a woman come up to me last night and I mean, I have a, people come up to me a lot and they're like, Dude, you just played like three fucking hours and didn't even come up for air. Like, I don't, I didn't take a break. Like, I'd take very, there's nights where the crowd, I can interact with them and I talk to them, but there's nights where I'm reading that they're, they're listening. They just don't want to be talked to. I'm not going to tell stories like, Hey, you know, that was so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And I don't, you know, when you play a three hour gig and you're going to play, I don't know, 60 songs, 70 songs sometimes, you can't expect after every song that everyone clap. Like, that's a lot of fucking clapping. <laughs> you know, you're asking a lot of these people. So, like, I'll just, like, segue. I'll put string two, three songs together. Or I'll play a little chord progression while I'm flipping through my shit, figure out whatever. You know, so there's times, like, I didn't think about it. Like, I just didn't shut up for three fucking hours. And then this woman's like, how... How did you do that? Like you barely drank water. You didn't even look like you came up for air. And how did your voice hold up? I'm like, I don't know. I just, this is what I do. I don't know how it holds up sometimes either. <laughs> Honestly. It, it, it takes time. It's like anything. You have to build it up. If somebody starts new today and tries to play five nights a week, they'll, be, they'll sound like I do right now. I'm coming off of a cold, but. Right. You, you won't be able to do it. But after a few years of doing three, four, five nights a week, you're like battle tested. Yeah. You're ready to go. I think it's the best way to describe it is I tell somebody, I'm like, hey, the, um, you don't wake up and be like, hey, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. Like I've never ran a marathon. That takes you months and specific training and sometimes years depending on how out, out of shape you are. Yeah. To be able to do it. And like, you might be able to limp through it, but like, are you going to be able to do this and do it all the time? Are you going to be able to, I know people that'll run a marathon the next day, run an ultra marathon. And then like three weeks later, run a friggin' Ironman. 
it's the same thing with us. It's the same type of principle. And it took them years and like a, maybe decades to get to a point where they can condition their body to the point to be able to do that. And that's the best way I can describe it for people to understand. You know, and I'm like, dude, there's days I know that my voice isn't 100% there, but I also got to know where my limitations are and maybe I'll change the key or maybe I just won't go for that big note in that queen song or, you know, I won't sing a certain song because I don't, I know I don't have it in me, you know? Well, we know, we know, we know all the tricks too, though, to help us get, get by, you know, exactly what you just said is sometimes you, you'll lay back here in this part, you won't go for it here or you'll lower the key, you know? But there's all there's always a trick to get the gig over, you know, to, to keep it going. The worst is when you're like your voice is frogging, man, and you just don't have it, and it's like, like, and you have to do the gig, and it's like three hours. It's the most excruciating, just like, oh my god, this gig's got to get done. It's got to get done, it's, you know, and it feels like you're there for like four days. If I'm ever having a bad night like that where I can't, my voice isn't there. <clears throat> This is no disrespect. It's just what I do. One of my secrets is I do a lot of Bob Dylan. I saw a black branch with blood that kept dripping. I saw a room full of men with their hammers bleeding. I saw a white ladder all covered with water. Those guys all pass the words and nobody's ever noticed yeah. But that's just the trick. That's just a little trick. You know, it's like, what, is Michael seen Chris Cornell? Probably not. Not tonight. But I sure as fuck think some Bob Dylan for you. <laughs> you know? But you have to have those little tricks in your pocket or you're not going to get over it. No. Because, I mean, what are you going to do? If you don't, you don't work, we don't make money. We, I tell somebody, it's like, they're like, well, just why don't you just cancel the gig? I'm like, yeah, well, I don't, I'm not going to get paid. Like, you can call into work and you probably have like, oh, I got 32 sick days, sick days to use. Yeah, you use the sick day and you still get paid the same amount of money you would have done if you had to go do your job that day. I don't have that ability. I can't call them like, well, I'm going to cancel, but, you know, can you give me the $300, the 400 bucks, the 200 bucks, whatever I'm getting paid? Can I still get yeah. that? Because I'm sick. I'm sorry, but. And if you don't do the gig, you always risk somebody coming and doing an average job and undercutting you and. <laughs> You know, it's it's just a whole political game behind it as well. Yeah. And then you got to keep but, the relationship. You got to make sure you have that relationship with the place. And they understand. And they also have to understand that you may cancel tonight, even though you played last night. And then you will know that you have to cancel tonight's gig in order to be able to play the next night's gig. Right. Like somebody's going to have to get get screwed here and I've had to explain it to people like well you played last night and I noticed that you played the night after like how sick were you you know I'm like dude I was pretty damn sick but like if I didn't take that I would have jeopardized an entire week of gigs instead of one you know right luckily I have the relationships with almost all my venues now that they understand that and they know that I'm not you know just bagging it because I don't want to play their place or they're taking it personal but yeah I've had to have that conversation with people and they didn't get it you know well, you get it, and that's why, I, I don't know exactly, but where I live, there's only a handful of people who've been doing it for a living for a long time. Um, and there's people that come and go all the time. They'll last a month, six months, a year, but they'll always go away. But the same five or six guys hang on because we know how to develop relationships. We know how to, you know, uh, you know, 
trade shows, make friends, you know, all that stuff. There's so much more to it than just sitting down and playing covers. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're at a point where, um, you know, this is going to be a whole other podcast. And I think the next time I have you on is like, we really should like, you know, give it like almost a tutorial of like what it's like to like, all right, you want to do this? Like this is, this, this is, here's something, we're going to give you some of our trade secrets, you know, and this is what you're going to have to do, you know, business wise, because you can be amazingly talented, but if you don't have any business sense or understanding of like how to deal with a club owner or a restaurant owner or a bride or you know, somebody who's like hiring you for their uncle's funeral and they're completely grief stricken and you got to be able to let them know, like, don't worry, I got this, you know, just tell me to, and then take that lead. You know, you got to know when to do that stuff. So I, I mean, I think that's what we, uh, I think that'd be another great podcast. I got, I just, you and I, I got to have you on. I know people are going to, it's going to take them a minute to like, to figure this out, but I think I really want to have you keep coming back on and we talk different points of this business and all the craziness that we've had because I think within all that, we're going to end up having all these crazy stories because that story, like, I've got, you and I got very similar stories, but now, now I'm like, I'm waiting for someone to hit me up and be like, yeah, we're having a little dinner, me and my wife, you know. <laughs> Just to say I did it, you know. It, 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 it happens. And it happens more often than you think. I don't know if it's just a, a Southern freak show thing that happens down there, but um, it's happened to me once, but I've heard of other people it's happened to. Um, it, it, it's, it's wild, but if you're in Syracuse, step it up. Tell your girl you will get her a little something extra naughty this year for Christmas and bring just Joe in for the holidays. Like. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, well, I'm, what songs am I going to play? Do I play upbeat? Do I slow it down? It's like, do, am I doing like, doing like a mixtape, like an old school eighties mixtape, like making love mixtape by just Joe, you know? Well, I, I heard that the guy who wanted me to play, wanted me, all he wanted me to play was I'll be by Edwin McCain. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I think I think that's a great way to wrap this up. I'm going to let you get back on the road. Uh, right, you know, I appreciate you with your time and stuff like that. Uh, text me when you get back, and uh, I'll let you know when it's going up next week. So, everybody, Rayan Belcher. I said it right, yeah. Belcher. All right, later, brother. All right, man. My album pick of the week is Rayan's current solo record. It's a beautiful day to be a bad motherfucker. Yeah, that's the title. It's a beautiful day to be a bad motherfucker. That's a title track. There's some great songs on there. You're really going to dig the way that Rayan writes. I really dig the way he writes. He's a great songwriter. So check it out. Click on the link in the description of this podcast and check it out. Let me know what you think. Rayan Belcher, it's a beautiful day to be a bad motherfucker. (laughs) 